Good morning. Amen. May we place God on the highest place this morning. I trust that is our prayer. This morning we're going back to 2 Peter. Before we go there, two stories. So God created the world. Adam and Eve entered. They had, they had children. And the world continued to populate. In Genesis 6, it says that the, Lord, the God, God came down. He saw what was going on with man. And it grieved him that man went against his plan. But... Who found grace? Noah. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. And God came to Noah and says, build an ark. I'm going to save your family. I'm going to get rid of everybody else. Because Noah was a preacher of righteousness. He was founded on truth. He did not yield to the false teaching, the false beliefs that were coming on. And because of Noah and his foundation on righteousness, through his family, the world could continue. God didn't have to start over. Let's fast forward a couple years. Abraham comes on the scene. It was after the Tower of Babel. God comes to Abraham in his land and he says, hey, I have a new land for you. And Abraham brings Lot along as they head to this new land. And they get to the place where they were going to settle. And they had too many people, too many livestock for one area. So they decided to split. So they, I'm guessing they were on top of a mountain overlooking the land available. And Abraham says, Lot, you get first pick. And where does he pick? Sodom and Gomorrah. Abraham goes the other way. Uh, He didn't even go to the city. He just pitched his tent towards it. He didn't go there. No, the city's an awful place. But he pitched his tent toward Sodom and Gomorrah. Well, eventually he ends up in the city. And God comes along and sees what is going on in Sodom and Gomorrah. The adultery, the sin. And God says, I'm going to destroy it. That's when he sends, he goes to Abraham, he has a talk with Abraham, and Abraham takes it down so God can find just a handful of righteous men. So God sends in two angels into the city to rescue Lot. As the angels are there, the men of the city saw them, the two visitors come to Lot's place, they pound on the door, and Lot says, no, no, you can't have them, I'll give you my daughters instead. And the angel says, no, no, and he blind the men outside. And he says, Lot, the city's going to burn. Go get your family. So Lot heads out, and he gets his sons, son-in-laws, who were living in the city. Was he able to bring any of them with him? No. He pleaded with them, the city's going to burn tomorrow. He said, no, we're good here. We know the story. Lot left with his two daughters and wife. On their trip out of the city, Lot's wife turns around and becomes a pillar of salt. In 2 Peter, it refers to Lot as somebody who hated evil. He despised it. It vexed him in his spirit. Yet he did nothing 
to help his family and protect his family from it. He's like, oh, we're good here. It vexed him, but he still stayed. It resulted in him becoming a grandparent because of incest. Is that who you want to be? Do you want to be Noah, like Noah, who found grace? A man stayed on righteousness. Or a lot, who he was vexed, but he didn't do anything about it. This morning, I want to pose a choice to us. We all have a choice. What will you do with truth? And our Sunday school lesson this morning was something that we had to do with truth. How are you going to deal when truth comes? Are you going to take the easy route? You may start turning to 2 Peter chapter 2 is where we're headed. My title this morning is Grow in Virtue. Remember, our theme is growth amid, amid temptation. Growth amid temptation. Remember that the antidote to anything false is growth. The antidote to anything false is growth. And secondly, a phrase I keep bringing up, apostasy comes on the plateau. Failure comes when we reach the plateau. Chapter 1, we looked at growing in diligence and also growing in the Word, paying attention to Scripture. Before we go further, please take out your uh, Christian hymnals, and I'll continue my custom of singing a chorus of song as we think and ponder the message from 2 Peter. Number 451, 451. My soul be on thy guard. Let's sing the first and last verse uh, this time. My soul be on thy guard. as we take a look at 2 Peter 2. And I'll be honest, this morning this is not a, a fun message to preach. If you look at 2 Peter, Peter is very blunt, and it's not easy words with which he uses to describe false teaching. But as a church, we need to pay attention to truth. The church of today, the culture of today doesn't want to hear truth. They don't want to hear rebuke. They just want to hear what's easy. They want to take the easy routes. But as 2 Timothy says, says, preach the word. Truth doesn't, we can't let our search for things that just tickle our ears. Truth will pound us. So I invite you this morning to be open, have open ears and hearts to this message from 2 Peter. False teachers. What's a false teacher? Obviously, false is something that is not true. 
And a teacher is somebody that is selling somebody or teaching somebody else. What does Peter have to say about false teachers? At this time, I'm going to read 2 Peter chapter 2. We're going to read all 22 verses. But there, was a false, but there were false prophets also among the people, even as there shall be false teachers among you, who privately shall bring in damnable heresies, even denying the Lord that brought, bought them, and bring upon themselves swift destruction. And many shall follow their pernicious ways, by reason of whom the way of truth shall be evil spoken of. And through covetousness shall they with feigned words make merchandise of you, whose judgment now of a long time lingereth not, and their damnation slumbereth not. For if God spared not the angels that sinned, but cast them down to hell, and delivered them into chains of darkness, to be reserved unto judgment, and spared not the old world, but saved Noah, the eighth person, a preacher of righteousness, bringing in the flood upon the world of the ungodly, and turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah into ashes, condemned them with an overthrow, making them an ensample unto those that after should live ungodly, and delivered just Lot, vexed with the filthy conversation of the wicked, for that righteous man dwelling among them, in seeing and hearing, vexed his righteous soul from day to day with their unlawful deeds. The Lord knoweth how to deliver the godly out of temptation and to reserve the just, the unjust into the day of judgment to be punished. But chiefly them that walk after the flesh in the lust of uncleanness and despise government, Presumptuous are they, self-willed, and they are not afraid to speak evil of dignities. Whereas angels, which are greater in power and might, bring not railing accusations against them before the Lord. But these, as natural brute beasts made to be taken and destroyed, speak evil of the things that they understand not, and shall utterly perish in their own corruption, and shall receive the reward of unrighteousness, and they that count it pleasure to riot in the daytime. Spots are they, and blemishes, sporting themselves with their own deceivings while they feast with you, having eyes full of adultery that cannot cease from sin, beguiling unstable souls, and hearts they have exercised with covetous practices, cursed children, which have forsaken the right way and are gone astray, following the way of Balaam, the son of Bozer, who loved the wages of unrighteousness, but was rebuked for his iniquity, and the dumb ass speaking with man's voice forbade the madness of the prophets. These are wells without water, clouds that are carried with a tempest, to whom the midst of, to whom the mist of darkness is reserved forever. For when they speak great swelling words of vanity, they allure through the lust of the flesh, through much wantonness, those that were clean escaped from them who live in error. While they promised them liberty, they themselves are the servants of corruption. For of whom a man is overcome, of the same is he brought in bondage. For if after they have escaped the pollutions of the world through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they are again entangled therein and overcome, the latter end is worse with them than the beginning." For it had been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than, after they have known it, to turn from the holy commandment delivered unto them. But it has happened unto them according to the true proverb, The dog is turned to his own vomit again, 
and the sow that was washed to her wallowing in the mire. Not pretty words, but truth. As we, as we dive in and look at descriptions, the danger, the destruction, and the description of false teachers, let's come out, out of it with remembering what Peter said in chapter 1. Be grounded in truth. Grow in diligence. Grow in the word. Out of that is when we will be able to decipher what is true and false. Did you ever ask yourself, is that true? We are living in a world where it's harder and harder to differentiate truth from untruth. And Peter here calls our attention to be vigilant, to pick out what is true and what is not. I'm going to take these verses at face value. We're going to pull out some things that Peter describes false teaching and false teachers. And then at the end, we're going to look at some practical ways we can think about dealing with false teaching. As, as we go through chapter 2, keep in the back of your mind Jude. If you want to uh, refer back, back and forth between 2 Peter 2 and Jude, it seems like they're almost written by the same person. Focused on false teachers. Verse number 1, but, he says, and this is maybe a bad break for Scripture to, to start a new chapter. Right before Peter is saying how the Scripture was ordained of God, it came of holy men of, of God, moved by the Holy Ghost, but, even though the scripture was given by God, there came false prophets among the people. False teachers will come. Humans will push their own agenda. And Peter calls us to the danger of these teachers. So first of all, the danger in verses 1 to 3. What does he call out? False teachers will come privately. False teachers won't stand up and say, I have something false to say. No, they're going to bring in it privately, without you knowing. That's why it's hard to get. It seems good, it appears good, but it's not so. So they come in privately. They shall bring damnable heresies, lies. So through, private, through privacy comes the lies. First warning, danger of false teachers. Secondly, a danger of false teaching is that they deny the Lord who bought them. False teachers do not want to be under submission to somebody else. They think they're big stuff. They think they have the connection with God. They don't need anybody else to tell them what to do. A danger of false teachers is they deny the Lord who bought them. And it brings swift destruction to them. Verse 2, another alarming thing about, about false teaching. Many will follow their pernicious or awful ways. Many. Just because a lot of people are following somebody doesn't mean they're right. Don't follow the crowds. False teachers will draw a crowd. Don't let that fool you. So Peter is calling out a danger of false teachers. Don't follow the crowd. Many are going to follow these false teachers. And then when, the, when, when people actually find out they're not true, that's when they're going to say, oh, these Christians, they're fake. 
That's what verse 2 says. Be careful of the crowds. Verse 3, another danger of false teachers is this. Through covetousness, what's coveting? Wanting things for themselves. Through wanting things for their flesh, they're going to make up feigned words. Feigned words come from the Greek word plastos, which is where we get the word plastic. Ah. And you like plastic things made from... Plastic is something that is man-made. Plastic has its purpose, but plastic is fake. Sometimes you, you, there's plastic things that are made to imitate something of better quality. False teachers will make up words that appear to be something else, but they're fake. They're plastic. They're going to break. Through their feigned words, they're going to make merchandise of you. All they want is your following. They don't care about your soul. Peter is describing the awful state of false teachers. Whose judgment now of a long time lingereth not. They're going to be judged and damnation is headed their way. The danger of false teaching. How many want to partake in that? I cringe. My hair stands on end when I think about these things describing false teaching and it's going to come in privately we need to beware so peter calls out the danger of false teachers let's keep moving on he talks about their destruction obviously false teachers false teaching needs to pay and peter says if god spared not the angels remember the angels lucifer went against him they were angels And God still sent them out of heaven. Even the angels didn't have an advantage. They sinned against God. If if God even sent the angels out of heaven, how much more so is he going to send humans or false teachers away from him? They're going to be cast into hell. That is the destruction, eternal judgment of false teaching. And then Peter keeps referring back to things of ways that Jesus showed how he deals with false teaching. First one, he spared not the old world. When his own people, his plan that he had for the world went against him, he wanted to get rid of them. But that's when he found Noah. Noah was a man who was stayed on truth. And through Noah, the plan could continue. So back looking at the old world, God didn't even save that. Way back at the beginning, he destroyed them. Through Noah, a preacher of righteousness, there was salvation. Then going on to verse 6, also Peter refers to the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah. And if you look into the description of Sodom and Gomorrah, it was an awful place of sin. And God saw it, and he destroyed it. And Lot, who was there, was vexed. And this is something that's hard for me to grapple with. But Lot was, the Bible says he was vexed with the sin that was going on. But he stayed there. He didn't try to get his family out of it. What lesson can we learn from that? But God destroyed the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah. Peter is giving illustrations of how, what God does with false teaching. Lot was vexed with the filth, but he stayed there. And then we reach a little glimpse of hope in this chapter. So Peter says God's going to destroy these false teachers but there's hope. 
Because the Lord knows how to deliver the godly out of temptation. Among, among all this false teaching, God will save those who are right, those who are following him. He knows how to save the godly. He did it to Noah. He did it to Lot. So there is a glimpse of hope. Right like the Lord knows how to save the godly, he's going to reserve the unjust for judgment. And he's going to cast them away. So we look at the danger. We see that God is going to destroy false teaching. But now the question is raised, what is false teaching? How can we decipher it? And I said false teachers come in privately. It's hard to spot them. Peter now goes into some descriptions of the outworkings of these false teachers. It is sometimes hard to identify a false teacher by their theology. Because they can make their words sound just fine. And we are living in a culture where there is so many resources around for us to read, to listen, to watch. How do we know what is true? Their theology might sound good. It seems good. But their morality will unmask them. When it comes down to it, how they live their life is a sign of if their theology is in the right place. They say no to the Lord's sovereignty. By their fruits, you shall know them. And brothers and sisters, there's many movements, many things that come up that we say, is it true? As a church, we dealt with this a couple years ago. Several families left to follow a movement. But look at them today. False teachers are not easily spotted. But when it comes down to watching their actions and their fruits, that's when we can get a glimpse into where they are. Let's dive in and look at the description of false teachers. How can we recognize false teaching? We're, we are ready for verse 10 in 2 Peter 2. Presumptuous are they. Anybody want to define Presumptuous. Overconfident. Hmm. False teachers tend to be overconfident and think they have it all together. Beware. They are overconfident and self-willed. Description of a false teacher. Verse 11. Uh, no, the end of verse 10. They are not afraid to speak evil of dignities. False teaching, false teachers do not respect authority. People who, who slander authority, beware of them. They are headed down a path of false teaching. We need to respect those in authority. Yes, authority needs correction, but we need to respond with respect. Even to authorities of our land, police officers, do you speak with respect to them? Even the angels don't gossip. In verse 11, whereas the angels, which are greater in power and might, they even do not bring railing accusations against them before the Lord. Even the angels don't gossip. A sign of false teaching, of false teachers, of something that is not true is gossip. Beware, Peter is saying. 
Beware of that. And then verse 12. Anybody want to be called a brute beast? That is a description of false teachers. And what is Peter getting at? In verse 12 he says, But these, the false teachers, as natural brute beasts. What do animals do? They follow their instincts, right? So where did an animal learn that? Well, they're following their instincts. False teachers follow their fleshly desires and instincts. And they get confused. The mistaken thrill of animal instincts with the Holy Spirit. They think, oh, the Holy Spirit is telling me to do this. But in reality, they're responding to their flesh and what their flesh wants to do. Beware of people who seem to follow whatever their flesh tells them to do. They are like brute beasts, same as animals following their own instinct. Signs of a false teacher. Another thing in verse 12. They speak evil of the things that they understand not. Beware of people who continue to talk and talk and talk and act like they know everything. And, 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 and talk with confidence on things they don't know anything about. A sign of false teaching. Ever hear the phrase, empty barrels make the most noise? When a barrel's full, it doesn't make any noise. You have just a little something in the barrel, you shake it up, it makes a lot of noise. Beware of people who act like they know it all. Verse 13. And shall receive the rewards of unrighteousness. They're going to receive that. As they count it pleasure to riot in the daytime. Have there been a lot of riots recently? In the daytime. You see, sin is often at night. It's dark. It's easy to hide. Beware of the people who aren't afraid to flaunt their actions. False teaching. Flaunt their practices in the daytime. Riot in the daytime. A sign of false teaching. Verse 14. Having eyes full of adultery that cannot cease from sin. Beware of those who do not take action to stop their sin. And to ask God for repentance. False teachers just continue on and on. It becomes a habit. They become callous to it. Let that not be said of us. They exercise covetousness. They're trained in greed. It goes on to say, cursed children. Don't become that callous to sin that it just becomes a habit. That's false teaching. Cursed children is the words Peter uses. Which have forsaken the right way, they're gone astray like Balaam. In our winter Bible school, we recently talked about Balaam. Did Balaam do the right thing to go with the king? I find this interesting. Peter brings up Balaam here. Balaam went to God and said, God, should I go? What did God say? Sure, go. Do you think it was God's will for him to go? With the king to, to uh, curse the children of Israel. No, but it was God's permissible will. I think God wanted to test Balaam. And so Balaam, Balaam's going along and 
his donkey starts talking. Brothers and sisters, if we don't stop when our donkeys talk, we got problems. Don't be like Balaam, who even when his donkey talks, he said, oh, I think God still wants me to go. False teachers will justify everything. But the problem with Balaam, he was covetous. He wanted the money. He says, oh, God told me to go. I'll continue on. Let's watch for talking donkeys. Don't justify our actions. Verse 17, Peter goes on to describe false teachers. He says, they're like wells without water, clouds without rain. They're awful. They're meaningless. Verse 18, they lure the innocent. They sound good. Remember, they come in privately. Their words are like plastic. They lure in the innocent. Verse 19 to 21 points of their fake conversion. One, another way we can see and, and, and differentiate between truth and untruth is, I said before, look at their fruits. By their fruits you will know them. And Peter rebukes the people who, oh yes, I was saved, but they don't change. If there is no change, it's a sign they weren't saved to begin with. Real salvation brings change. Is your hair starting to stand on end? It's sad. It's awful. These descriptions of false teachers. But we need to be on the lookout for them. And then he ends with this in verse 22. These people are going to be right like the dogs who go back to the vomit and the pigs who go back to wallowing in the mud. You clean up a pig, what do they do? They go back to the mud puddle. That's their instincts. A dog, when a dog vomits, it often will go back to it. Awful. Why does Peter even use that? Why do I have to say these words? But that is a description of false teaching. Brothers and sisters, if you're if you put all your, your trust in your religion and don't change, don't ask God to help you to live, to, to have good works, you're right like the pigs and the dogs. Awful, awful. That's a description of false teaching. So we looked at the warning, the danger. We looked at their outcome, their destruction, we looked at the description of false teaching. Now, where does false teaching occur? And Peter says at the beginning that he says, false teaching will come among you. Brothers and sisters, let not that, those descriptions be named of us. Let's beware, let's be vigilant. It is not profession of spirituality that marks a true believer, but possession of the Spirit of God within. And this chapter was hard to study into. It's not nice words. False teachers will come. And as I think about my brothers and sisters, to think that false teaching could creep in breaks my heart. But I want to bring you to the point, coming to church will not save you. 
Just because your parents are Christian will not save you. Attending church without commitment to membership will not save you. The profession of religion will not save you. That's like plastic words. It's the spirit of God within. And so, brothers and sisters, I ask you this morning, don't lose the fire of devotion of your relationship with God. That's the only way you will overcome the false teaching that is around us today. The easy Christianity. Don't lose the fire of devotion, I ask. Each member needs to be responsible for himself. Let's not let false teaching come among us. Another word of caution. Tolerance has produced indifference to the truth. We look at the world and we say, awful. Oh, Jesus, come back now. But we are becoming more tolerant of the things around us. And we take less actions to separate ourselves from it. Oh, I can still have my electronic devices. Oh, I can still go to this place or do this or that. We are becoming tolerant with the things, being okay with us doing more and more things. That is making us indifferent to truth. A word of caution, brothers and sisters. Be careful. Let not false teaching be named among us. Let me end on a positive note. Turn back with me to 2 Timothy. And the points of my title this morning, Grow in Virtue. Second Peter is talking about growth. And I wanted to continue the title of Growth. And I want us to beware of the fakes this morning. So we choose to live virtuously. Grow in virtue. And in 2 Timothy 3, he also talks about the dangers of the last days. Men are going to be lovers of themselves, natural affections, truce bakers, it goes on to say. And then verse 10, Paul charges Timothy. He says, but you can stand firm. Jump in with me at verse 15. And that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished into all good works. It goes back to First Peter, uh, Second Peter 1, where it says, grow in truth, grow in the word, and through the word we can be perfect. We can overcome the false teaching. We can be vigilant and push back against indifference to truth. So a simple question for you this morning. I take you back to Noah and Lot. Are you going to be like Lot, who continues to live in the city? He's vexed, but he lives there. And he doesn't take action to turn away from it. And we could talk about practical ways that each of us face, but God, no, it's, that's between you and God. Or are you going to be like Noah, who when God comes to him and says, hey, build an ark, that didn't make sense. But he brought his family on board. They built the ark. And through him, Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Are you going to grow in virtue? Are you going to push back against the false teaching that is prevalent in our day? You have a choice. Stay firm. 
Don't lose the fire of your devotion with God. That is how we will overcome the false teaching of today. Take out your psalm books, please. And turn to number 451. Let's sing these verses, these words, meditatively, asking God to show us areas that we have been indifferent to truth. 451. My soul be on thy guard, ten thousand foes arise, the hosts of sin are pressing hard to draw thee from the skies. Oh, watch and fight and I challenge you this morning to make a choice. If God spoke something specifically to you of an area where you're being indifferent to truth, talk to somebody. A way we can combat truth is by talking with each other, edifying each other. If you're here and you never made a commitment, now is the time. Find somebody. God bless you, brothers and sisters. May you go this week Living in truth. I've been challenged with digging into this, this chapter and Second Peter in, in general. And I want to combat the false teaching that is around us. This week I do have a prayer request for you as my brothers and sisters. I am uh, having a week of meetings Thursday to Sunday at a church in Lebanon, New Life. It's my first one, so I would appreciate if you would lift me up in prayer as I bring uh, those messages into this week. Let's all stand, have a closing prayer, and you can be dismissed. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that your word is truth. Thank you for Peter's boldness to share bluntly on the false teaching of his day, and that is true in our day. May we be vigilant. May we grow in virtue. May we grow in truth of your word. May we not grow indifferent to the truth and become tolerant of sin around us. May we stand for what is right. I thank you for my brothers and sisters here at Myerstown. Would you put your blessing on us as we go this week? Help us to stand for what is right. Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy to the only wise God our Savior be glory and majesty 
dominion and power, both now and forever. Amen.